0: The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Welcome to the Views Room, a weekly podcast brought to you by Reuters Breaking Views. I'm Rob Cox, the editor of Breaking Views, coming to you from Zurich, Switzerland. Next Tuesday, Americans go to the polls to decide whether to give Donald Trump a second term as president or give former Vice President Joe Biden the job. Also on the ballot are a third of the seats in the U.S. Senate, which could hand the Democrats a majority. Lots of things will change if that happens, including tax and economic policy. In a nutshell, as our U.S. editor John Foley argued in a piece this week, the rich will pay more as taxes at the higher end go up. But many other things will stay the same. America's relations with China may become more diplomatic under a Biden administration, but the general view that the country represents an economic and security threat will live on. Ditto the approach to the increasing power of tech companies and platforms like Facebook and Google. There's bipartisan consensus to clipping their wings, as Gina Chan our columnist on the West Coast, has argued. Gina, John and I discuss all this and some of the specifics about what we'll be looking for on Tuesday night in this week's episode of The Views Room. Give a listen. Hey, guys. So we are uh, less than a week away from the 2020 November Presidential election, pretty exciting. Gina, you've been uh, you've been at this now for five, four five years now. You and I first covered the 2016 one. Um, John, you've been writing extensively about it. Let's uh, let's start with sort of just thinking about what it is you're going to be looking for on Tuesday night. Let's start with you, Gina. Like what 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 are the what's going to guide your um, news judgment?
1: Well, I think a part of it uh, will be turnout. We've already seen a record number of people um, vote in when you're allowed to put in early ballots um, and absentee ballots across the country, including uh, Texas and elsewhere, which is pretty amazing to see. So for Donald Trump, it depend on how much his base turns out on Election Day as they are more likely to vote in person as opposed to by mail, which favors the Democrats. Um, And then taking a look at some of the more contested states that are in play, particularly Florida, if we're looking from sort of the East Coast to the West as polls close, um, if there's indications there, if if Biden or Trump are ahead. But unfortunately, some of the other close races um, in Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin will largely depend on the mail-in ballots. And for those results, we may not actually know for a few days.
0: But there's no way for Trump to become president again if he doesn't win Florida, is there?
1: It's Pretty tough. I mean, he could still squeeze by, I think, if he gets at least two of the other um, sort of Rust Belt states. Um, But yeah, Florida would be, if if he doesn't win that, then he would probably have uh, a tough time getting to the 270 electoral votes you need.
0: Because last time he won that, and then he was able to pull Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin out and, you know, th- those all look, I mean, all the polls polls I've seen, at least for Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, they've tightened a little bit, but they still show Biden in a pretty hefty lead, no?
1: Yeah, they do. Um, but again, it will come down to turnout. You know, we'll see. Um, I mean, Trump, like he did in 2016, is madly. I mean, he's visiting multiple states in one day. And in 2016, he basically out-campaigned Hillary Clinton. I mean, she also had other issues. He famously did not visit Wisconsin at all, took some of those states for granted, and he made multiple appearances in those places as he's doing this week, whereas Biden has a bit of a slower schedule. Um, He is Mm -hmm. interestingly visiting some states that wouldn't have been in play before, like Iowa. But to your point about, you know, some of the polls, he is doing better in some of the more traditionally Republican states, and he's um, showing up there to contest them. It's
0: funny you mention Iowa. I mean, now that's clearly in play. And I was looking back at the 20, 2016, Iowa went for Trump by a couple of points. But uh, it almost looked like Larry, Gary Johnson. Remember him? The, uh, <laughs> he, like, it, it, him he actually was almost seems to have made the difference, you know, in a state like Iowa the last time around. And there's no, doesn't seem to be a third party, apart from like people talking about Kanye or writing Kanye and Kanye West, of course, the rapper. I don't think there's a whole, you don't seem to have that dynamic in this at play this time around.
1: Yeah, I think it's less of an effect because people, I think, saw what happened in 2016 and the margins were so small. Um, in Michigan, it was just, you know, tens of thousands of votes as opposed to millions that tipped the balance in favor of Trump. Um, same goes for Pennsylvania. So a lot of people, I think, this year feel like they don't want to waste their vote or put in some sort of protest vote. They really want to choose between the two candidates of the main parties.
0: Yeah. Now, John, what are you going to be looking for? You're going to be down in Miami Beach for the uh, <laughs> for November 3rd?
2: Obviously, well, I mean, there are this, this, I wish I would be in my (laughs) Um, so I mean, there are obviously the tight Senate races that uh, Gina talks about. I guess I'm I'm interested to see, and we won't know this, of course, until the next day, how the market responds to this, because uh, the idea of a clean win um, is, a clean win could be a bit elusive if we don't exactly come into you know come into work on Wednesday knowing who has taken the presidency but how the markets respond to this is going to be really interesting because there, there has been a bit of a rise in volatility uh, recently ahead of the election but not a huge increase and actually the the consensus seems to be that either a Biden or a Trump win could be relatively good for stocks in different ways so it will be curious to see what happens when the markets open on Wednesday. I'm actually looking. That, I mean, in terms of the individual races, the the people aren't really talking so much about the house because the house is unlikely to flip and go um, Republican. But but there are some kind of interesting sort of small races in there. I mean, there's one that um, I just because I because it's New York, the the um the Staten Island race will be kind of interesting. That's one that went Republican. Sorry, went went Democrat in 2018 and may go Republican again. Uh, in twenty twenty, and there are other races that went republican eighteen, dallas, um texas thirty second, I think that may also again go Republican. So just kind of getting a feel for how how people are thinking about Trump who may not have voted for um the Republicans in twenty eighteen will be kind of interesting because that might tell us a bit about what's going to happen over the next few years
0: right. They're sort of emblematic of the sentiment, the shift in sentiment in some ways. Uh, yeah, they, and, and you know some that... of the
2: Republican contenders are like uh, they've you know they've put up younger. Um, not quite AOC like, but you know, people who are clearly designed to appeal to those kind of younger um female voters. They're trying to modernize the Republican Party in some of these places. And it'll be interesting to see how much that works.
0: Right. Well, I mean, you mentioned the Senate. I think maybe let's turn to that quickly. I mean, that that is quite interesting. You see, um, I guess what are we, fifty-three Republicans yeah. to 47 democrats slot with including two caucus for the democrats bernie sanders and angus king and maine you've got some pretty interesting um dynamics going on there no gene i mean you've got um it looks like colorado is probably in the bag for the democrats shifting cory gardner to uh hickenlooper is that right
1: yes the former governor of the state hickenlooper is a good shot who
0: ran who ran and was one of the. Two thousand people who ran for <laughs> presidency earlier, and then you have um, a couple other interesting ones. Maine, I'm I'm kind of looking at Maine, and not just because it's the only sort of New England state that has someone up for grabs, um, and not only because it's like my home vacation state. But you you have Suzanne Collins, who interestingly uh, you know has bucked the president on a, on a number of high profile decisions, including I think uh, the ACA, right. And then most recently on the vote, well, this week with Amy Coney Barrett.
1: Yeah, she is one of the more uh, moderate Republicans in the Senate and has um, at times, as you mentioned, uh, gone against Trump. Uh, But because she hasn't um, totally bucked him in in various ways and supported the um, Supreme Court uh, pick of uh, Brett Kavanaugh, which I think hurt her um, in a state like Maine, where she has uh, backing from some Democrats puts her in a really tight spot. And so we'll see if she is able to hold on to her seat. Uh, And there's a lot of other moderate Republicans who face uh, that kind of tight race. Um, And on top of that, you see even longtime stalwarts like Senator Lindsey Graham in South Carolina facing problems um, from his Democratic challenger, Jamie Harrison, where, you know, a year ago, you would have never thought that that seat was in danger for Senator Graham. So that just shows a lot of the hurdles that Republicans face uh, across the board.
2: Gina, to what extent is it, is it true to say that generally the way the White House goes is the way the Senate goes?
1: I think in uh, presidential election years, uh, that's pretty typical. Usually people just sort of vote the ticket um, and the top of the ticket affects a lot of the down ballot races. So you're seeing uh, some of the senators um, who are up for election distance themselves in a way that I have been shocked at. I mean, even Senator John Cornyn of Texas has uh, talked about Trump um, being like a a woman who thinks she can change her husband when they get married and finding that they can't. Um, And that's the way he was describing Trump, which is not something you would have expected from someone like Senator Cornyn, who's been a very Didn't close ally de- of Trump.
0: He's describing himself as a woman in that scenario? Yeah,
1: yes, basically. He is the one who's trying to change the husband um, in that scenario. So, yes. <laughs> um, and and also conservatives like Martha McSally in Arizona. Um, she's facing a really uh, tough uphill battle against a uh, candidate, um, Mark Kelly. So there's um, a lot of... Uh, candidates for the Senate who are distancing themselves from Trump because he is having problems. Um, But we'll see what happens in the next week. Um, You see oftentimes the races tighten and a lot of crazy things can still happen between now and November 3rd.
0: The other one to watch, I suppose, is North Carolina, where you have this uh, Republican Tom Tillis, who who had a kind of He's kind of vacillated between supporting and and, um, and worshiping Donald Trump. It seems so that he could get out of a primary contest against this guy, Cal Hunting, Con, is his name Cal Cunningham, who is? Cunningham.
1: A, mm-hmm.
0: Quite an attractive candidate in one respect and that he's like a military guy, quite moderate. He had a slight adultery scandal, but um, seems to be weathering that. Um, that is not a state that has had a Democrat sent a democrat to the senate in quite some time
1: yeah uh, that shows how much um some of the demographics are also working against uh some of the republicans um young voters have been particularly active surprisingly in this race a lot of the early votes have come from them they are swinging overwhelmingly in favor of democrats and then the um shrinking uh, white majority and the increasing uh, Latino populations and other minority populations in Texas. Um, we're again uh, mentioning Senator Cornyn, showing the changing demographics there and whether that could favor Democrats. So it's not just uh, this race, but I think the the future of the parties, um, where we can kind of see directionally from the results in November, where the parties could be headed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, John, what's it all mean? I mean, you, you talked about the clean win. So let's just assume there's like we have a winner uh, of some sort. And you know, there's a clear, you know, exit poll that goes one way or the other for 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 Trump or Biden. And then we get some indication about somebody having enough to the 270 electoral college votes. What what actually and then then I guess there's two scenarios, one where just the presidency shifts to let's say a Democrat, um, what changes? And then, if it's the Senate and the executive branch, what does that look like? How? I mean, talk a little bit about some of the covers that you and the team in the states have been putting out over the last couple of weeks. And in yeah, I think this
2: week. is this is I think this is the big the biggest question really because Biden's platform contains a lot of ideas that, taken on face value, are quite radical. And certainly the kind of readers who we focus on, people in the financial services industry in Wall Street, would absolutely hate a Biden presidency if it looks the way that it does from his speeches and, uh, you know, the, the the policies that he's come out with. So if you end up with a, a Biden White House and, and a Democratic Senate where he can push some of those ideas through, that would be um, a bit of a nightmare for the super rich. So uh, I'm thinking particularly of things like his tax plans. We've written quite extensively about this. There is one particular bit, which is that he wants to double the rate of taxation on capital gains, so um, profits from investment, and that would basically kick the legs out from underneath the private equity industry. He wants to increase the top rate of income tax to 40%, but it's actually more than 40% because you've also got a 6.2% um, social security tax that goes on top of that, and a three point eight percent tax from Obamacare that dates back to twenty thirteen. So in other words, if you're in that top echelon, you're looking at a fifty percent basically tax on your top income. if he, if if the Senate remains Republican, it's very unlikely that those kind of things will sail through. And actually, even if it's Democrat, it, they won't be easy because there are a lot of people in in the Democratic Senate who will benefit from, for example, those capital gains um, arrangements that currently exist. So w- the, the the backdrop, the, se- the Senate backdrop is crucial to how tough Biden is going to be on the wealthy, on the financial sector. And also, as Gina's looking into, um, it also will decide what happens to some of those key committees that, that really um, set the tone for what happens on Wall Street, like the Senate Banking Committee.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, Gina, what's uh, what is the likelihood? Well, let's say the Senate switches to whatever it is, you know, 51 Democrats. Um, what happens to the Senate Banking Committee? You go from I don't even know who the current chair is, but what happens? <laughs>
1: yeah. From mild mannered uh, Senator Mike Crapo, uh, a Republican uh, to liberal Ohio Democrat, Sherrod Brown. Uh, so that would be a really rude awakening for Wall Street. Um, Brown is known for being a longtime Wall Street critic. Uh, back in the day, he had a bill that would have um, pushed capital requirements for the largest banks to 15 percent, um, more than triple the minimum requirement now uh he's also bashed a lot of the regulatory rollbacks that have occurred under the Trump administration so you can see him really come out swinging um in terms of tougher oversight of the industry um pushing for uh changes to legislation or or new um bills even perhaps the 21st century Glass-Steagall Act um that would force the banks to separate um some of their activities and with, uh, the house likely remaining in democratic hands and maybe even strengthening, uh, on that side of the chamber. Um, but at the same
0: time, if I'm not mistaken, I listened to the debate the other day or watched the debate the other day, Donald Trump accused, uh, Joe Biden of getting all the money from wall street. And I think that is true. If you look at the federal election commission filings, wall street seems to be throwing money behind Biden rather than Trump. So yeah. does that mean that they're prepared for that or or that they think that the likelihood that that Sherrod Brown would actually get a, a majority of the Senate to go along with such direct drastic measures for financial regulation?
1: Well, the interesting thing about Wall Street is I think with Biden, you know, part of getting the economy going again is just getting a handle on the pandemic. And with cases rising um, across the board pretty much in the country um, as we head into winter and the economy um, po- probably suffering as a result of that is a worry for Wall Street in general. Um, on top of the just the trade war and some of the uncertainties around that, uh, not that Biden wouldn't continue some tensions with China, but it would at least be more predictable and more... Sort of set in in policy as opposed to sort of the whims of the president. So from that, the hip. yeah, exactly. So that may be driving some of that. But I do think Wall Street is underestimating a bit um some of the changes that could be pushed if uh the Senate flips to a Democratic majority. Um Biden is not someone who is that interested in uh, financial regulation. And because of that, there is a thought that he would leave a lot of that to perhaps his uh, progressive wing of the party, um, who cares much more about uh, Uh, policies on that front. And so that could be um, a big danger for the industry, particularly in terms of personnel, um, people who could lead the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, um, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, which regulates J.P. or U.S. banks, uh, that is a danger. On top of some of the things that someone like Sherrod Brown would want to push through, and he would have a partner in Maxine Waters in the House, who is chair of the Financial Services Committee in that chamber, um, you could see them partnering up on, on various fronts that could make right. life really difficult.
0: Now, you mentioned, one thing you mentioned was China. John, you wrote a piece about this the other day. I mean, it seems to me that one one win or lose, Trump, Biden, China just doesn't win. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of like, a, there's like, it's hard to see how China wins out of this. The, 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 there seems to be a general belief that both of them will effectively uh, continue, continue kind of hard negotiations with China and continue to see China as adversary rather than partner.
2: Right, and it's been basically a bipartisan um, consensus that China has had too good a deal for too long. Oh, Well, I say that, but, uh, certainly Trump and the Democrats agree uh, on that, if not all of the Republicans. But if you get, I, I think in a sense, China kind of understands the way Trump works, certainly, um, you know, recalling the way that the Chinese state media responded to Trump being elected in that he's very transactional. And that that makes sense in a country where policy is also very, foreign policy is also very transactional. So Biden is a bit more of an unknown quantity and in some senses is probably a less good outcome for China. Um, but he's got, you know, there are plenty of advisors on the Biden side who also feel that jobs have been stolen away by allowing China into the WTO under two easy terms and, and, and are quite keen to see some of that manufacturing re, re-onshored here. Um, so yeah, China is basically going to be, be a loser. Having said that, uh, when it comes to currency, that might be slightly different because, um, you know, Biden is probably likely to be bad for the dollar and maybe good for the Yuan. So in terms of China's buying power, um, you know, China would probably benefit from a, a weakening dollar. Right, right, of course, yeah.
0: And then also finally, I mean-
2: The recovered so much more quickly because they had coronavirus before we did.
0: I mean if you look at it we just keep seeing company after company coming out with third quarter results talking about how the only bright spot in their sales uh, is coming from China they're becoming increasingly dependent on on you know a growing Chinese market economic you know GDP in China growing and uh, the consumer back and people living their lives a bit more normally than than they are in the west and that's that that could shift the, the dynamic quite I you know, quite interesting over the next couple of years. So one last question. So Gina, you, what about, and what about like, is China, is tech, big tech kind of like China? It's going to get it either way, depending, is a sort of bipartisan view out there that big tech ne- needs to be reined in?
1: Yeah, we're seeing the controversy that big social media platforms are already facing because of the elections themselves. They've, sort of twisted themselves in knots, um, putting out all these policies that are very rational and pragmatic in terms of, you know, flagging, um, premature declarations of victory and taking down posts that incite in, in election interference or violence. Uh, but all that is, um, you know, getting them blame from, from either side and they basically can't win. And we wrote a post, um, alluding to that basically suggesting that Twitter and Facebook should just shut down for a while after the polls close, uh, just to sort of get the monkey off their backs, if you will. Um, But I do think that tech will continue to be in the crosshairs. Uh, The one thing that they may have to deal less with is the accusations of conservative bias if it does tilt toward the Democrats, both in the White House and in the Senate. But this pressure on um, their anti-competitive behaviors, uh, we saw the House uh, report earlier this month uh, talk about, you know, even putting a ban on deal making um, from the big tech firms from Facebook to Apple, Amazon, Alphabet. Um, Microsoft, interestingly, is not in there. Uh, they've had their antitrust lumps earlier, which is helping them now. Uh, but they will be in the crosshairs. The one area where I could see them possibly benefiting is that uh, if the Senate flips, um, Senator Maria Cantwell will be the chair of the Senate Commerce Committee. Um, she's been much more skeptical about, um, <clears throat> excuse me, antitrust remedies for big tech, including breakups of the firms. So, on that level, uh, she may be uh, more willing to hear their side of things. But the she's she's a senator
0: from the state of Washington, which includes um, uh, uh, among its uh, constituents Microsoft itself and Amazon, right?
1: Yes, exactly. Where we've seen, you know, other. representatives uh, from that state be tougher on the industry. But she has, like I said, been more skeptical of some of the remedies proposed. Uh, Not that she's not critical, but she's focused a bit more on privacy and other issues. So on that front, they could catch a bit of a break. But, you know, overall, they will continue to be in the Washington spotlight. Right.
0: Right. Okay, well, look, guys, it's going to be a a busy Tuesday, Wednesday, might even be a busy rest of the week and beyond. So um, get some get some sleep this weekend. You get an extra hour, I think. So um, use it wisely. And I can't wait to cover this thing. And we'll talk about more about this next week, guys.
1: Great. Thanks.
0: Yeah. That's our show for the week. Thanks to my guests and hats off to our producer, Freddie Joyner, New York. Our final thanks go to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you go to get your podcast fixes. Check us out every day at breakingviews.com And don't forget to tune in next week for another edition of The Views Room. A sentence, stay healthy.